everybody welcome to the wrap-up podcast for our fourth annual groundhog day charity 24-hour marathon madness uh if you don't know jim uh catch up the the people that that might not uh, be hearing about this for the first time what is the groundhog day marathon how did it start uh what's the rich tradition here oh boy well like you said it's the the fourth annual fourth time we've done this uh Every year we get together and do a 24 hour movie marathon uh, to raise money for uh, a different charity every year so far. Um, But the way it started is we had always kind of wanted to do this crazy thing we had in our heads, which was watch Groundhog Day, the movie for 24 hours straight, just back to back to back to back. And we decided one year, you know what? We've got the time. Uh, like the weekend falls on Groundhog Day this year. Why don't we just go ahead and do this thing? And I can't even remember if we had much prep time for it. It felt like a spur of the moment kind of. I don't think thing. we did. It's like we 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 thought of this like two weeks out. It was like yeah, because it's always in January. It's kind of like dead of winter. Not much going on, on television. Yeah. We're doing business stuff and dreaming big dreams. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and yeah. like oh shit, it's on a weekend. Fuck it, you know. Yep. So we decided to do it, and it was a big success. We raised, I, I want to say somewhere north of ten thousand. Wasn't it like twelve? Probably ish. Uh, I don't know. I don't have the 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 the, the numbers. I I know the record amount before this year, and I know we're right at like un, just under fifty eight thousand dollars total in four years raised for uh, a homeless charity, uh, Australian wildlife charity, and now our Alzheimer's charity. Uh, so it's been been very successful. And, you know, we decided to make it a tradition after that first year was such a success. And since then, we we kind of changed it up. You know, we thought, oh, we could do Groundhog Day 12 times in 24 hours each year, or we could do something else and do movie marathons. And so we did. The first year after that was Star Wars. No, yep, you got it. No, no that can't it. be right. It oh, yeah. Star, Star Wars. Wars. And then the uh, Apocalypse movies was last yeah. year. And then this year we decided to do all the Star Trek movies, except for the last two. Yeah. um, Because we couldn't fit those in 24 hours. Yeah. So essentially we watch it. uh, We don't sleep. uh, We we are allowed. So, you know, it's like um, 10, 15 minutes in between each movies, plus credits that you can go and use bathroom breaks, shove some food in your mouth, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of wild. It's but, but we were a little nervous this year because one of the big traditions that I don't know why this got started, but the first year, like, like flooding us with food. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, cause we had our, uh, you know, we had an office and had a public address and we didn't ask for this, <laughs> No, but God, suddenly no. pizzas started showing up. Mexican food started showing up, uh, wings from Buffalo, wild wings started showing up. White Crazy crates from cases, White Castle. Yeah. People tried to kill us with food. I guess increased the difficulty level this year because of COVID and us streaming from our homes, we knew that wasn't going to be possible. I'm not putting my address on the internet. No, no way. Um, but with, that was going to be a problem. And also like, you know, we've had uh, uh, COVID year and you know, there's a uh, fewer people in the club and it's been a while since there's a big television show. So we really thought that um, we might have, uh, you know, like we had to set our sights. Like I, I remember thinking like, man, if we could get like 8,000, $8,000, I would feel like I, that, that's pretty good. You know, if, if I took like previous years with like our, what, you know, our fan base numbers and kind of adjusted for this year. So that's what we were, that's what we were trying. And mentally, that's why I was thinking, like, uh, I think we set, did, what did we set the, the goal for? I think it was 12. Like, 
12,000. Yeah. Uh, but I was mentally prepared to be like 8,000 and be like, you know what? Hey guys, it's still like, uh, I had all the reasons ready to go. Um, our grand total that we raised this year for the cure Alzheimer's fund. Uh, that's a charity we picked this year. $17,047 and 74 cents. And it was a while. Like it was just a, it was just a wild experience. Um, and like I started realizing that, Hey, we might actually beat our estimate. Like we might actually get to 12,000, like halfway in. And then, uh, like a couple hours later, I'm like, Oh God, we're actually going to beat the star Wars number, which uh, previously our previous record was uh, $15,691 and 51 cents. We raised during the star Wars stream, um, uh, for the, uh, um, the Alliance to End Homelessness, the National Alliance to End Homelessness. Um, so like this was like a, just a really big year, uh, a banner year. Um, I was reflecting about the experience because um, there were some good things, some bad things. Uh, it's weird not being in the same room with you. That wasn't as yeah. much fun. But honestly, it worked almost flawlessly. I was uncomfortable in this stupid office chair. Um, mm. I did have an alternate beanbag location I could go to, but it turns out that's almost as uncomfortable as sitting in the office chair. Oh, boy. Um, but I was reflecting about the experience and there's a, there, you know, and I asked people last week during one of our streams, like the, what the highlights they remembered. Um, here's the things I came up with. Um, a shocking amount of Star Trek, the motion picture, the very first Star Trek movie is just straight up starship and space born. Yes. And 25 the, minutes, maybe. Oh, like a third of the movie's runtime is just yeah. either enterprise pornography and like Kirk and McCoy, like like jaw open gaping, looking at it in loving admiration or it's Sulu and Chekhov doing the same to a nebula or it's some bald alien woman doing it to the majesty of V'ger. Like it's just like, or it's it's, floating through V'ger looking at the crazy planets and shit. Yeah. Other thing. uh, So it's, it's a third space born. It's also a third traveling through orifices. Yep. There's a lot yep. of orifices in Star Trek, the motion picture. Um, also, how much of Star Trek is recycled? Because like when mm. you see him back to back to back, it's like Voltron. Like every time like Kirk was going to go dock with the Enterprise, because always it seemed like these movies started with the Enterprise in a dry dock. It was either out of refitting or about to be refitting or about to be decommissioned. Or got blown up in the previous movie, so now he's got to go out and... It was never 100%, ever. Yeah, it's a lot of Voltron forming from the Lions business in these early Star Trek uh, going. Um, Star Trek 4, still my all-time favorite personal Star Trek. Uh, Let's watch them all back-to-back-to-back. I'm not saying it's the best. Right. You know, like, I think Rathacon or First Contact is probably in the running for that. But like as far as just a movie, a Star Trek movie I could put on as many times as I wanted to and still love it. Star Trek for the voyage home, my personal favorite. Um, it really was Nichelle Nichols doing the alluring fan dance in Star Trek five, which is a terrible worst Star Trek. <laughs> Dude, I, I so I went into this marathon pretty sure that if i had ever seen star trek six it was only once and i couldn't tell you anything star trek about five it. and six you yeah, well i'm talking about six okay. i know you're talking about five with the okay okay it being terrible and what it's gotten with starship all that shit uh but yeah i i came out of the marathon still feeling like i had never seen star trek six because it's like the middle of the night when we're doing that and 
I'm chatting with chat. I'm tired. I don't, I, I remember nothing of Star Trek six, even though I have now seen it at least two times. You don't remember Worf's great grandfather defending James T. Kirk in a kangaroo Klingon uh, court scene. Oh, the- yes. I, that's so bad, though. I thought that might have been five. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. You thought that's OK. Here's the thing. Yeah, you got to sit down and watch Star Trek six sometimes because it's it's, okay. it's one of the better ones. And it's also like you, you know, it's 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 Bill Shatner kind of like in a in a love letter vehicle too but it seems like i have to actually pay attention to that movie to get anything out of it other than like oh they cast michael dorn as his own grandfather right yeah no it's great it's great you're great the end of the cold war kind of reflection star trek movie Mm -hmm. um a couple of things that happened also also the next generation gets done dirty in film like they got one good film out of a four run cycle, the old people got six films and a half. I think I think first, yeah, first contact is easily the best. Uh, Generations isn't bad. I, I don't mind Generations. Generations is okay as a transition. Yeah, the others are shit. The others, yeah. Uh, what is it? Rebellion and <laughs> Nemo and Marmaduke. Uh, yeah, they're terrible, terrible movies. Uh, and, and and honestly, I think we should have gotten many more next generation movies. Like I know mm-hmm. there was a lot of like, oh, well, maybe we should get Deep Space Nine. No, fuck that. They should have made like at least four more next generation movies. And I feel like yeah. they got uh, we got ripped out. Um, a couple organic things. Uh, these are some things that were submitted from the fans. Some things I, I thought of um, our community. And I guess it's a reflection of us. Uh, but you know how like in programmer culture, everyone started like being bro ironically, and then it became like an unironic thing. Uh, I feel like we're at that. Like, I don't even know what level of irony we're at with the 69 business uh, and the 420 business, but there's been some yeah. certain communities, uh, community members and chat that for time to time will tip us 420 bits or 69 bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we make jokes about it. Uh, the community came together, did math, and made sure we hit important milestones like six thousand nine hundred and sixty nine dollars and sixty nine cents. Made sure that the thermometer progress towards the goal got stuck at sixty nine point six nine percent. And like these were like winning the Super Bowl moments in chat. <laughs> it's it's I I'm I'm gonna try to like these things. I fa- I, I think I we're gonna find the clips, and they'll probably be in the show notes. Some of these things I want to mention. Um, your burrito eating cam, you know, we both have like privacy filters oh, for when we right. want to eat on stream so we can go mute and not like, you know, yeah. like I got a beard. It gets messy sometimes. I don't want people watching that. Uh, mine's just a little sc- scrolling, you know, message. You found someone. <laughs> what is this thing? Someone speed eating a burrito. Yeah, just some dude. I don't know if he's a competitive eater or what, but yeah, he speed eats a burrito in like 12 seconds. A big, fat, like Chipotle-sized burrito. It's uh, it's a performance. It, it was mortifying. Pre- like uh, So many people in chat were so disgusted by it that I actually took it down for their sake, because I thought it, it was hilarious. It, it might have cost us several hundred dollars towards the Cure Alzheimer's Foundation easily. because people just turned away in disgust. Yeah. Um, I... Early on in the stream, sat down in my chair and the chair lock mechanism yes. broke and I flung backwards into my bookcase and I was showered in like a <laughs> waterfall of merchandise, yeah. which was hilarious. It's just like someone should clip it and send it to the abrupt chaos uh, subreddit because that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Um, yeah, that was good. 
That was the highlight of the stream for me. Uh, I made victory waffles. I got mm-hmm. like my little supplementary camera and I cooked waffles live on stream for the whole family and for myself and then consumed them. Uh, didn't use the burrito eating. Can- I just, just openly consumed these uh, uh, in, in victory because I knew we, we, we beat our goal. Yeah, at that um, point, I was too tired to realize what was happening. Another late night highlight. And I guess this is like your life. Uh, Astrid, your brand new cat, climbed up in your lap around two o'clock in the morning and just put on a show for an hour or two. Like Happens. rolled over on her back every making, single night, making air biscuits at the camera. Like it mm-hmm. was, it was some, um, you know, with cat porn, I guess that sounds, no, that sounds gross. That sounds like something you get banned for. It's just cute. Yeah. Cute cat. Eye bleach. I don't know what you call that. Um, but yeah, uh, but, but the real highlight is like the camaraderie we had a special thanks to, you know, so many people that donated, we had like something over 300 unique donators. Um, wow. but special thanks to Michelle beach and beach and Burnett in, in chat, because uh, she was as, as it's become known in the community, bullied people for their lunch money. Something I don't, I don't think we do very well. We, we do more of just like reacting and talking to people, but like a lot of times I'll forget to like do calls to action and stuff. And, and Michelle was relentless and probably one of the big reasons why we were able to get over the goal. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, having someone remind us why we're here for 24 hours is probably a good thing. So that that was some of the highlights that the community came up, and some of the things I did. Is, is any anyone in particular jumped out? At, you you mentioned your your memory is a fog of those twenty four hours, but I didn't yeah I don't know to. why. Um, it, I I usually can remember pretty well the things that happened. Um, I feel like some of it was because we were stuck at home, and it was just like oh same scenery, same uh, you know, same thing I've been seeing for literally a year now during this COVID lockdown. It just felt like more of the same except longer. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't remember too much of it. Um, but uh, if you did miss it and you wanted to check out some of it, uh, the whole VOD, the whole 24 hour video on demand file is in our uh, the video archives on, on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash bald move. You want to check that out for another 30 days or so. I don't think we have any plans on archiving it because we've done that in years past. It's always just a real pain in the ass to get it up on YouTube and like invariably 16 people watch it. So if you want to catch, catch it next year, uh, just know that every time around Groundhog's Day, um, we, we do this thing and it's a lot of fun and you don't have to obviously you don't have to watch a lot, but you know, more and more people are doing the 24 hours with us. Like I found there yeah. was like probably the first time I think one or two people did it. The second time there was like a handful. This time I felt like there was maybe a two dozen people that were in it for the whole 24 hours, um, which was which was amazing. And uh, it's always nice just to have like the regulars there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the, the real the real highlight of t- today's wrap up stream is going to be our interview that we have with Connor from the Cures Alzheimer's found, uh, Fund uh curals.org uh by the way as, as connor's going to say later in the interview if you if you missed out but you still want to uh, give to this great uh um this great cause uh it's curals.org and uh he mentioned that uh, there's like a dedication that you can put in if you want to put in bald move from the bald move community that they're going to track that and like add it to any any funds that they get from from us to you know to formally recognize so uh, it sounds like that we might be working with the Curals people um, in in the years to come because it's it's a great charity. It's one that I have a personal connection to. It turns out a lot of people in the Bald Move community have a personal connection to. I also really like the fact that like Connor, as you'll find it, has a personal connection to it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that in any other charities. Like you know, we interviewed some people from the 
in homelessness, but like, I don't, you know, it'd be, none of those people were personally homeless or, uh, you know, had family that were homeless and stuff like this is, is something that kind of, uh, affects everyone. And it's not just an American problem. Crucially too. Mm-hmm. It's something that affects the entire globe. And, uh, this charity obviously does research that will benefit everyone if they have breakthroughs. And I think they will, uh, with, the, with enough funding and, and research that we will figure out ways to mitigate and ultimately prevent and hopefully restore people afflicted um, by this, this terrible disease. So without further ado, I thought we could just uh, get over to the Connor interview. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating. He talks about a lot about how, um, what our current understanding of Alzheimer's, the research and, and where it's going, and also some, some great steps on how you can uh, keep your brain as healthy as possible and, and ward off the effects of, of Alzheimer's and dementia. So without further ado, let's uh, talk to Connor from the Cure Alzheimer's Fund. Connor, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. We're excited to be here. Uh, I don't think I've given you the final total, um, or if I have, pretend, pretend I haven't, and uh, you'll be surprised. But uh, we, we made uh, $327 in total subscriptions, $797.35 in total bits, $15,923.39 in straight donations, giving us a grand total of $17,047.74 is what our community was able to uh, get together in the 24 hours of our marathon for the Cures Alzheimer's Fund. So we're very, very proud of our, our community's effort, and we are very excited to be writing you that check. Oh my God. No, this is absolutely incredible. Thank you to absolutely everyone who donated. Thank you to the two of you. Like I said, this is, you know, Twitch is fairly new for us. So to see the incredible results that you guys and your community could come up with just by watching Star Trek films, which granted Star Trek's incredible, but to see what you guys could do to harness the power of that community. This is incredible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are really going to help us fund some critically needed Alzheimer's research. Well, that's that's great to hear. It's also it settled the age old question, which is better, Star Wars or Star Trek? Because two years ago we did 24 hours of Star Wars movies uh, for the, uh, the, the the raise money for the in homelessness. And we only made fifteen thousand nine hundred dollars. So we smashed our personal fundraising <laughs> record uh, with this year uh, as Groundhog Stream. So also thank you for reaching out to us. We have never, ever had a a organization that we've raised funds for in advance uh, just by paying attention to social media. Cause I actually reached out to a few in advance too. Um, but you're like the first person that was like, Hey, I see you're doing this thing. Thank you very much. Is there any way we can help? That was like, uh, I, I was blown away by the response. Yeah. We always, you know, one of the things that we want, cause Alzheimer's is such a, it's a personal cause for so many people so we want to have that personal touch with everyone that's really helping us in our mission so we always try to monitor social media i have to thank um, my colleagues who actually monitor that all day for tipping me off to it but no we're happy to be a part of these going forward and you know as much as it hurts to hear that star trek is better than star wars in this case i'll accept much more of a star wars fan sorry i'm my dog just broke into the office so, oh well, that'll happen. I might so have a cat without invitation. Yeah, same we might have a cat. Some cat terrorism um, based on <laughs> that in our houses. Um, it's interesting. You, you mentioned the Alzheimer's a personal, um, uh, a very personal charity because uh, when we 
we have kind of gone around to different charities in the last uh, few years. And um, this one was always one that was recommended. Like people, I know there are a lot of people in our community. In fact, there's so many people came forward with personal testimonials about how it's affected them during the 24 hours. My grandfather suffered from Alzheimer's for several years before uh, he eventually died. I don't, I don't know. This isn't on the outline, but do you, do you have a personal connection with Alzheimer's or are you just, uh, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, both of my paternal grandparents passed away from Alzheimer's. So it's you now one of them. Um, I don't really have any memories of my grandfather before he had Alzheimer's. And then my grandmother uh, got it while I was in high school. So it was, you know, it's something that's ever present in my life, really. So it was a personal cause to get involved with. And also, you know, it's somewhat selfish as well, because, you know, mm-hmm. you want someone go through the process and you naturally worry about it happening to yourself. And it's such a horrible, horrible thing to witness. So it's not too hard to form a personal attachment to the cause. Yeah, there's like, you know, um, maybe it's a good point to, to, to interject and start talking about the disease itself. What is Alzheimer's? Um, is there like a, a, a thing that it is? Is it, is it a broad classification of dementia? Like how, how, what is our understanding of the disease right now? Yeah, so Alzheimer's disease is a form of dementia. Very often it's, you know, used sort of interchangeably with dementia, but it's just a form of, there's several other ones as well, but it's the most common. I think about 80% of all uh, dementia cases are actually Alzheimer's. Um, So it's a irreversible and progressive brain disorder that really destroys your memory and cognitive function over time and eventually prevents you from carrying out even, you know, the most simple tasks. Now, it's a, another common misconception that Alzheimer's is, you know, just an old person's disease. It's, uh, you know, if you grow old enough, you'll get Alzheimer's. And that's just not true. Now, your age is, um, that's the greatest risk factor. The older you get, the higher your chances of getting the disease. But there are plenty of middle-aged people who have gotten Alzheimer's, early onset Alzheimer's, as well as those who have lived to, I believe it was 110, without any signs of Alzheimer's in their system. So it is something that affects everyone because, you know, yes, you can get the disease or not get the disease. But if you know someone with it, that affects you. It's not easy to watch a loved one lose who they are because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a disease that robs you of who you are. We are, you know, the sum of our experiences. And to have those stripped away, you almost cease to exist. It really is the long goodbye that we're talking about fighting here which is, you know, it's a, one of the most personal diseases out there. I'm going to keep saying that over and over because it's true. This is yeah. that's on the attacking who you are. Yeah. I was like, I think like nine when my grandfather was diagnosed, he passed away when I was 13 and like, yeah, there's lots of diseases that'll kill you. I mean, I, I hate cancer's <laughs> right up there uh, on my other personal grudge uh, list too. But like this is almost unique in that it takes the person long before it takes the person that that was the person that, you know, was loved by people who loved other people um, uh, before it, it finally takes their life. And that's why it's 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 so sad. It's hard for people to deal with, because I know my grandfather, when he died, he didn't recognize his grandchildren, didn't recognize uh, often his children um, was, you know, very died, died kind of frightened and alone. Um, and and. Right. and because of the the faculties that were robbed from him oh it's just hard i remember um showing my so my grandfather was a big collector of baseball cards and that was sort of like 
always had a nice uh, binder. It was organized by team, by I think it was alphabetical order, something like that by year. It was an incredible collection. And when he finally, you know, not only didn't remember that, but didn't remember me, like that's, it's such a tough thing, especially for a kid to go through. It doesn't matter what age, but for a kid to not have their grandparent recognize you, it's just awful. It's an understatement of the century. But yeah, like one of my last interactions with my grandfather was like two weeks before he died and I'm named after him. So like, you know, uh, he didn't recognize me. One know who I was when I said he thought I was making fun of him, like playing a joke, oh. like, you know, uh, and it's it was hard. It was a lot. It was hard to deal with. Do we do we have an idea how many people suffer from this disease? Kind of like, I don't know what kind of metric you want to make, like in this country, around the world right now. Uh, is there any, do we have numbers on like how prevalent this is? Yeah. So right now, I believe this was in 2020, there were more than 5.8 million Americans who were diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but really it, I don't think that quite does it justice because for everyone who's is diagnosed with it, you know, there's at least a couple more who are now acting as caregivers, you know, like it's not just the person afflicted who's suffering. Like this is a, a massive emotional and financial weight on the of the people who are afflicted like it's in 2020 we were supposed to spend i think over 300 billion dollars on alzheimer's care in this country with a lot of that you know coming from medicare and medicaid so it's not from that standpoint actually it's not just affecting the loved ones of the afflicted either it's affecting everyone anyone who's paying taxes is you know having some of their money go towards alzheimer's care and that it's great they should get the care they need but that's a huge drain on our financial system on our uh, health system and if we don't find a cure which there is none right now the number is actually supposed to triple in the next 30 years and that could feasibly bankrupt our healthcare system it's an economic this as much as it is a healthcare one it's just horrible so let's talk about cure alzheimer's fund uh what is the curealz.org mission what are you what are you guys trying to do yeah so our mission is really kind of what our name says. It's our mission is to fund research with the highest probability of preventing, slowing, or reversing Alzheimer's disease. Now, when we were started back in 2004, it was because our founders were actually very frustrated by the slow pace of Alzheimer's research. Now, it was at the time stagnant, not because of a lack of ideas, but because of a lack of funding. So, organizations were very wary of some high-profile drug failures that had happened that had led to really wasted money. And as a result, they were a little afraid to invest in new ideas, which led to years of cookie cutter research, which wasn't doing anyone any good. We were just investing in the same ideas and expecting to get a different results. It's you know the definition of insanity. So that's where we came in. So we were designed to do three things really, to dramatically accelerate the pace of research, to encourage the best minds in the field to pursue their high risk, high reward projects, and really to focus all of our time and energy on finding a cure. And that's exactly what we've done to some great success. We've now funded over, uh, I believe it's $120 million in research right now. And really, we've greatly expanded our knowledge of Alzheimer's in general. It's something we're very proud of. And yeah, it's a great organization. We talked about, I think this might even be pre-podcast discussion about how there's so many organizations uh, attempting to cure Alzheimer's. And a lot lot of them have slightly different missions. Like some of them focus on research, some focus on treatment, some focus on 
helping people that are currently afflicted with Alzheimer's and their caregivers and their family and friends, uh, getting them the, the support that they need to, to help cope with the disease as it is now. Um, you guys are 100% research focused. Um, and it's our understanding that 100% of all of our donations, like all of the 17 plus thousand dollars that we're going to give you is going to go straight to research with no overhead. Uh, how do you guys main, main, maintain that, that low overhead? How can you get, how, how is a hundred percent of the donations go to funding the research? Yeah. So it's frankly, as a fundraiser saying that a hundred percent of every dollar goes right to research, it makes my job incredibly easy. It's huge. Wonderful thing to be able to say. And we are actually able to do it because we have a wonderful, wonderful, generous board of directors that covers all of our overhead expenses. So we do still have the overhead expenses. It's just that our actual donations are not going to cover them, which is a wonderful promise that we are truly blessed to still be able to make in you know, the times of COVID when so many are struggling. Our board did reaffirm that commitment. So it's absolutely wonderful to be able to push everything to research. Yeah, I mean, we are, that's one of the processes we always go through before we pick a, uh, a charity to go through is we go through the charity ratings and make sure the transparency is there. And like, I honestly had never seen like an overhead number that that like essentially it's zero. Like, uh, right. that's not bad because, you know, you got to have the Connors of the world coordinating things. <laughs> you take money to make money. But it's 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 a nice gesture. And you can tell that they have skin in the game, that your board is is essentially covering all the key main expenses of keeping the lights on paying the salaries of people uh so that when people open up their checkbook they know every bit of that's going to go to the research um absolutely but also to that point like it's we are trying to keep our overhead as low as possible which is what makes fundraisers like yours so important for us you know we don't have the the cash to really go out and put on our own fundraising events we're not putting on uh you know, like a walk to end Alzheimer's. We're not doing Relay for Life. It's like things where it takes money to put on these events. We don't have the big galas, the golf tournaments. We rely on our heroes, our third-party fundraisers like yourselves to take time and energy and to channel their passions to raise money on our behalf so that we can continue to put 100% towards research. So it's just as much a credit to you guys and to every one of our supporters that we're able to keep this going. So thank you for that. Uh, well, you're quite welcome. And again, thanks. Thanks for all the stuff that you do. Um, I guess that leads to the next question is what is the current state of Alzheimer's research? Like, what do we know about the disease as far as its cause, its risk factors? Um, you know, like if I'm if I'm worried, I, I, is there a genetic component? Um, is, 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 is I should I be worried that I'd have Alzheimer's within my family? And what can I are there any things that we can do to mitigate our own risk? Yeah, so. There is a genetic component to Alzheimer's. And actually, that's one of the things that we have spent the most amount of time on. Our very first project was actually called the Alzheimer's Genome Project. So basically, at the time that we were founded, there were only a a few genes. I forget the exact number, but below 10 uh, genes that were known to have an impact on Alzheimer's. So what we wanted to do is really do uh, an entire evaluation of the human genome to figure out, you know, what's the driving factors in this? So what we actually ended up doing was discovering over a hundred novel Alzheimer's genes that, you know, they might impact it increasing our risk. It might decrease our risk of getting it, but they in some way play a role in Alzheimer's disease. So basically now knowing about these new genes, that's now new drug targets that we can challenge. So 
I guess just to take a half a step back before diving back into that, something that's important to know about your Alzheimer's fund is we actually fund what's called foundational research. So this is research that's looking into the underlying causes of Alzheimer's disease, how it starts, how it spreads, things like that. So if you're thinking of it in terms of a pipeline, um, the beginning is foundational research, the end is a drug. So we're down here at the very beginning because this is an area of research that's really been ignored for years. You know, we discovered Alzheimer's 100 years ago, and yet we knew next to nothing about the genetic factors behind it until we came along in 2004. That's crazy to think that you're going to be able to figure out how this disease will stop when we didn't know how it started. So that's really where we try to focus all of our time and energy for the most part is uncovering the very foundations of the disease and really trying to de-risk investment from larger funders by helping uh, researchers get their next big ideas off the ground. Give them the seed funding to pursue this idea, this radical notion of, you know, I think Alzheimer's starts this way, but nobody will support them. We'll support them. We'll get their project off the ground. And that's resulted in many of the hypotheses that are guiding the field today. We're very proud of our role because not many other organizations are funding this really not very sexy research. They all want to go for the drug, which is great. We hope they get it. Like, believe me, we want this ended as soon as possible. I won't be out of business tomorrow. But if we don't support this sort of this very critical basic research at the start of the pipeline, we're not going to get there. And I'm happy to say back to the general state of Alzheimer's research, you know, it's getting more and more attention each year. Now it took a step back when, you know, COVID took center stage rightfully, but it is getting more and more attention in the national spotlight. So there's more money being pumped into Alzheimer's research than ever before. We are making more progress than ever before. And it does feel like we are moving towards a cure much at a much faster rate than we had in years past. So this is a good time to be in the Alzheimer's research business. Uh, Lynch Lady Jessica wonders, what is the promise? Are there any promising research developments that you've seen recently? Um, kind of like drilling down further into like, I, I know you're doing a lot of foundational work and decoding mm-hmm. the genome and whatnot. Um, has that yielded anything beyond hypothesis yet? Are there, are there any promising treatments uh, on the horizon? Yeah. So promising treatments are interesting. So it's, first of all, when you're looking at Alzheimer's treatments, you got to be careful to sort out the fact versus the fiction. Like somebody will be peddling an Alzheimer's cure every other day. And, you know, how many of those are real? It's sadly not, well, sadly none right now. Um, But there are some exciting projects out there worth keeping an eye on. For example, uh, one thing that's been in the news recently uh, is a drug called aducanumab. So now, Uh, This is a drug out of Biogen. It was failed and it came back from the dead. So it's a very long, confusing path. But essentially, it's going to be up for FDA approval in three months. Um, And what this would do is actually clear out uh, these things called plaques, which are one of the two hallmarks of Alzheimer's from your brain. Um, It would clear those out and through drip. So it's an expensive treatment. It's time-consuming treatment. Even if it goes through, we would need more research to make this so that's more accessible for everyone to have. But it is exciting that it's gotten farther than many potential Alzheimer's drugs have in a long time. It's a good sign of where we're going. Another project that we're actually directly involved in 
is called Alzheimer's in a Dish. So a few years ago, our researchers managed to uh, recreate the human brain in a Petri dish and actually instigate Alzheimer's in this. So you could see the human brain going through the beginning stages of Alzheimer's, how it uh, develops, all that, and then test some already approved drugs in this dish to see what effect, if any, they would have on solving Alzheimer's. And there was actually a collection of about, I believe, 34 hits that could potentially be effective against Alzheimer's. So we're able to move forward with those. They'll be able to get to market much more quickly because they are already approved for something else. Think if it's um, uh, it's not this, but a headache medication. If you give a headache medication to somebody, it's already approved. It's past the FDA sta- safety standards. We'll be able to get to market much quicker than if we have to build something from scratch. So that to me is where the real excitement lies this mechanism to actually test drugs in a much more uh, cost-effective, efficient manner. Yeah, it's nice to see because, like, you know, heart attacks, like the, a couple of years back, they discovered that aspirin can, like, have a, you know, right. like, chew up an aspirin and it dramatically increases your chances of survival until you get to the hospital. Like, who'd have thunk? You know, something that uh, you, you pay pennies for in, in tablet form. Uh, I, I want to talk about a little bit more of that because we kind of glossed over there in the state of research. Because, like, as I understand it, the current, theory of the disease is you know our brain is uh, just billions of connections of neurons and that uh, alzheimer sufferers have this substance plaque you know you think of plaque on your teeth it's this gunk that builds up over time plaque forms on these these uh these neural connections and uh, essentially cuts them off from each other uh since we are that's all (laughs) the things that we say that we are are those neural connections obviously that that has an impact on the, the the patient's life is that Still currently the, the, the leading edge that it's all about the plaque on the, the neural connections and, and removing that plaque or preventing it from forming, or are there other? It is, yeah, so the, uh, it is still the leading hypothesis, but what's fascinating is that, you know, for decades we thought this plaque in your brain was just pure junk that would need to be removed to treat Alzheimer's. But recently, actually, we funded a study that's gotten a lot of attention lately it's actually shown that just plaque has a, a protective role in your brain as well. So essentially, it's, it's sort of like an anti-neural infection agent. It senses that something bad in your brain, and it generates this plaque to go out and smother it, to kill the infection before it can spread, right? So it's actually got 10,000 times the staying power of penicillin, which is just incredible. But in Alzheimer's disease, it seems like something goes wrong where your brain is saying, hey, we're under attack. We're under attack. Somebody do something. And it sends in hmm. way more plaque than it needs to fight the infection. And it keeps spreading and spreading and spreading and starts killing neurons freely. Normally, it would just be the infected neuron killed off, done, move on. But it's just spreading throughout your brain. And that's what's really attacking memory loss. So what we're they're really causing memory loss. So in essence, now we know we have to strike a balance because we can't just blow out plaque from your brain entirely. If you do that, then your brain is going to be left vulnerable. You know, so we need to find a way to do it in moderation, as all things should be. And really, it's provided a new look at, at what has been the staple tenant of what Alzheimer's disease is for really decades now. It's right. been a, Yeah. I remember seeing an article about like, I didn't see the implications of it, but they mentioned that there was these confounding results where people that had brains fairly loaded with plaque, but were not suffering any kind of dementia. 
it almost sounds like uh, almost uh, uh, it sounds like you could frame Alzheimer's as almost like an autoimmune disorder, just like in the way that lupus like attacks different things because your immune system goes berserk, like whatever mental defense system we have is 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 interpreting healthy neural tissue as infected and and uh you know going to going to town is that a fair characterization or i think that's a very fair characterization and what we're learning all the time is just how many things in your body as a whole affect your brain affect your chances of getting alzheimer's disease you know there's um, studies that show that if you're not eating well, um, if you're you know eating too much red meat, things like that, then your chances of Alzheimer's are going to go up. You know, it needs you need to have healthy exercise to get blood moving through your body more efficiently. There's a vascular system in your body that it's going to affect your brain if your blood flow slows down. Things like that. It really it's a whole body response to Alzheimer's, and I think. Counting that autoimmune is well, it's pretty accurate as well. Um, you you sort of mentioned like uh, things to avoid. Uh, this is a, a, a comment that people are making in chat. Timo, Timo, rather, uh, want to know if there are any tips to keeping your brain as healthy as possible to delay or prevent the onset of Alzheimer's. Um, also, is there anything other than donations that can help the cause? I guess let's take the first one first because I, I know that like my dad has always been like ever since we lost my grandfather that that's been a big shadow over his life and he like compulsively <laughs> does. Sudoku, crossword puzzles, cryptograms, because he's trying to keep his brain sharp, as sharp as he can. Is he on to something or what is the current state of research and how you can avoid onset of, of Alzheimer's? Yeah, he is absolutely on to something. So there's a general idea. There's a few things that you can do to try to keep your brain health as up as possible. Because the healthier your brain is, the better your chances are of staving it off. Now, nothing is guaranteed to stave off also. I do have to say that up front. Um, but basically, first off, you want to get as much sleep as possible, right? Like sleep Uh-oh. is, I know it's a problem. It's not, not good. At all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my four hours of sleep a night, not great, but yeah. basically you want to give your brain a chance to clean itself, to recover, to rest, to really, um, you know, wipe away the gunk that builds up over the course of the day. Um, that's step number one. Um, second is handle your stress, you know, situation, right? This is, it's not great. Um, but stress is just not good for your entire body, but your brain, especially. So you have to do your best to, you know, one of our researchers recommends meditating twice a day for like, I think it was five minutes, not much, but something just to, you know, calm yourself, center yourself and allow yourself to move on without being the state of stress. Um, next it's eating well. So a Mediterranean diet is thought to be very helpful, very effective in this case. So that's, um, think a lot of fish, um, a lot of nuts, things like that. Uh, what's next interaction next is interaction. Um, so that's one of the, hi buddy. Um, Sorry, he got it. My wife took him out of the room and now he's just burst back through the door. I apologize. They're, they're wild animals. What can you do? Oh Yeah. Um, next is interaction though. So it's important to talk to people, you know, don't just sit with yourself. One of the uh, best ways to exercise your brains is to learn something new by talking with someone. You know, like it's the more you shut in, the less your, your brain has to do. So you want to get those synapses firing by having conversations and learning new things. Um, yeah, I think that that's the model right there. Shield is what they call it. Hmm. So, um, sleep, 
handle your stress, interaction, exercise. Oh, exercise. That's why I knew I was missing something. Or did I say exercise? Now I'm losing my mind. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, this is, get, get, get this is where that lack of sleep and the not handling stress, yeah. this is where it's killing me. Yeah. yeah. But exercise, there are a lot of studies out there. Just go break a light sweat and your, your body's going to be much better off for it and your brain will be much better off for it. Mofo Jones 33 wondered if uh, their money was no object, could we find the cure? Is this literally about throwing dollars at it or is, I mean, obviously that's a big part of it, but like what, what, what's your thoughts on that? I think Mofo has a point. Uh, I think that it is mostly about dollars right now. We have so many great ideas out there and just not nearly enough funding to pursue it. But I will say the one other thing that's sort of in the way is regulations around the disease. So you can't get into a clinical trial now unless you're exhibiting symptoms of the disease. Well, the problem is that most of the exciting treatments that or avenues for treatment right now are really preventatives. So they're designed to push Alzheimer's off until so that you wouldn't get until you're 180 and by then something else will have gotten you first. But once you have symptoms of Alzheimer's, it's too late for most of these treatments. So we also need to find a way to identify Alzheimer's before memory loss, before these symptoms start popping up so that we can get people into trials when the, these drugs might still be able to have a, you know, a positive effect on you. And to that end, actually, there are uh, blood tests that are coming out, there are imaging scans that we're working on. So this is an area that we really are pumping a lot of time and resources into to try to find this detection because, frankly, that's more critical than anything else, in my opinion, to finding a cure for this disease. Uh, someone had a specific question about the genetic research. Uh, Cretan Bull says, does Connor know of CRISPR? Uh, that the genetic manipulation technique is likely to play a part in finding a cure or treatment for Alzheimer's? That's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know too much. I know of CRISPR, but I don't know of any of our researchers currently using it. They might be, but I would be happy to get back. I don't know. I can leave my email for him to reach out, and I'm happy to do some research and get back to you on that because I don't really know. You're not a research scientist. I understand. I, oh, no. I, I was a clinical science major in college. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Well, good. Do it and put an education in use. Uh, Chuck yeah. Sipioni, uh says, does online interaction have any effect or is it only like verbal person to person? Like are online communities a good way to maintain that person to person contact or does it really matter being right in front of a person and verbal kind of back and forth? I mean, being in front of a person is better, but online is fine. Like that's why it was, you know, at the beginning of this all, we, there was a concerted effort to really provide Zoom calls to nursing homes and memory care units just mm. to get them talking to someone. Because right. any ta- talking is talking, learning new things is learning new things, but in person is better. Online is fine. We live in a virtual world now. Do what you can. Online is fine. I like that. Uh... And then uh, we might have some other questions, but the last one right now, uh, what is the number one best thing you can do to support a family member with Alzheimer's? I would say the best thing you can do is really to be patient with them. Like it's so easy to get frustrated with them forgetting everything. Like it's, 
it's easy to get frustrated. It's hard to understand, but you gotta be there for them. Like it's, there's no easy way to say it. They're not going to be who they used to be. And you just have to make the best with what's there. If that makes sense. Like it's yeah. So like I, um, in the nitty gritty is like, if, if you have a person that is, uh, like, like, what do you do? Um, should you challenge, like, should you correct people if they're having missed memories or I've got kind of unstuck in time? Is it better to go with the flow? Um, what, like, what's the best way to support them? Cause honestly, you know, like this happened to me 25 years ago and I'm certain my aunts and uncles, moms and dad didn't probably handle it correctly, but you're right. <laughs> it's incredibly frustrating experience yeah. and kind of, and, and it's very hard on the people that have to live with them. Uh, but like, do you have any insight on like, what's the best approach there? Just kind of like, you know, gently correct or, re, or in, or like remind, or is it just kind of like best to go with, with where they're at? Yeah. I think you just sort of have to, you know, almost read the room, you know, like it's, there are times where you just gotta correct them and lightly prod them in the right direction. But if it's something innocuous, that's not going to affect anything. Like, um, you know, I sat down and watched a baseball game at one point with my grandma and she thought it was Red Sox versus Yankees. And it was in fact, the, I think it was the Orioles or something like a just completely wrong team. She was in her mind thinking of a different time and place. And, you know, why correct that? Like just let that go. It's easier that way, but it's just, you know, be patient. That's mm-hmm. what I got. And also I imagine like, um, be kind to yourself if you're in that position because it is tough, you know, uh, it is tough. And like, you might not do everything perfect, but you know, um, just, just also have to take care of yourself because Absolutely. it can be a disease that isolates people and isolates families and, you know, prevents them from going out and doing things with their loved ones. Um, and it's a, it's a tough situation all around. Absolutely. No, it's actually a, it's a big problem. And some organizations that focus more on caregivers talk about all the time, but caregivers have horrible health effects from taking care of somebody. This lately, it's a stressful situation to put yourself in. Like they just need a break and to reset on occasion. And they just unfortunately don't often get that opportunity. So it's important to take care of yourself as well. You can't forget to, you know, pamper yourself a little bit and handle stress and meditate. Yeah. yeah do all those things. Keep this uh, day oh, yeah. exercise. Uh, I know this is a tough question and, and uh, you're not a predictor. You're not a fortune teller, but is there any idea in the community in the scientific community to research community of like, are we five, 10, 15, 20 years away from, from a cure or effective treatment? Or is the answer just really unclear? The answer is unclear. You know, they've been saying five to 10 years for the last 30 years now. So it's, I, we as an organization have a policy against putting a timeline on it because the science will take as long as the science takes. But again, there is, there was so much momentum in the field that I think that for the first time in a while, people are confident that there will be something like the pendulum swung so far to the negative for a while in there that, you know, maybe this just is, isn't one of those things that'll ever get cured. But I think that sentiment has shifted. Like people are feeling better than ever that there will be something. And again, it probably won't be a cure so much as it will be something that pushes it off till you're 180, you know, and really at that point, that's as good as a cure. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, cancer only killed you with your 150, most people wouldn't worry about it, you know, uh, same. I take that. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then you know, hundred years from now, we're living to be three hundred. It'll be their problem. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, anything else? Uh, anything else? Do you think that we've left out, or did you would like the the community to know about the the research or the organization, or anything you you'd want to? The one other piece about us that I would say is that you know, aside from the hundred percent research, I think the thing that we are most proud of is our researchers. So we fund researchers at institutions across the country, across the globe, really. And more than that, like they come together to collaborate more than any other organization that I've ever seen. You know, they have an annual in-person meeting where they talk, they create their own projects together that are, they communicate across institutions, which just doesn't happen when you just fund a researcher at a lab. Really, when you fund Pure Alzheimer's Fund, you aren't just funding one lab. You are funding the globe, the global research community, so that we can move forward towards a cure together. Like it's the levels of collaboration that we encourage. It's unprecedented, really. It's unheard of in the field. And that's one of the things that really separates us from our peers as well. So I would want to get that in. And also, I would just want to say thank you again to everyone for the incredible support that you guys shown in your 24-hour stream. Like it's, again. 17 over $17,000. Absolutely incredible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'd love to like, you know, um, I, cause we've always done different charities and like some of the, cause we're a, we're an international organization ourselves, And it's, we've always tried to find something like cure homeless or in homelessness.org was always American centric. Last year we did the stream to support the, um, Australian wildfires, which is obviously Australian centric. Uh, we really like the Alzheimer's uh, because it is something that the, everyone could be affected, whether you're born, wherever you are in the country or wherever you are in the world, it, it can affect you. And the research that we do here in this country, and as I, I'm glad to hear you're funding international research, that helps everybody. So it sounds like a, right. I, we would love to continue to build this relationship and, and come back in 2022 and see if we can maybe hit 20. I don't know. There's people in chat saying that we could hit 20,000 next year. Well, I, I, that, that, that's, that's amazing. I don't know. I think it's a great goal and we would love to be back and, you know, frankly, anything that we can do to help you guys, we, so we have a very small staff, obviously, because, you know, we try to keep overhead as low as possible. So it's really just myself um, and a couple others who support heroes events like this, but anything that we can do to help you guys promote, uh, to talk about the incredible work that you're doing, let us know. We're happy to do it. And also I, would be remiss if I didn't mention here, I did uh, listen to a couple uh, bald move prestige podcasts running up to this and you guys do an awesome job. So it's incredible content that you guys do. It's no wonder that you guys have such a loyal and passionate following that you could generate as much donations as you could. Well, that's incredibly kind of you to say, uh, and we appreciate that. That's yeah. Again, I was very impressed that you guys reached out to us and take the initiative to even, you know, look, look, look at our organization um i i yeah i i'm very pleased at how this turned out and i really thank you for your time i know your time is valuable uh and you got lots of other other people to talk to and help um but again thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and accepting the donation uh on behalf of all the bald move community and family and uh looking forward to trying it again in, in 2022 thanks thanks for coming on connor thanks for having me you guys have a good one once again, I'd really like to thank Connor from the Cure Alzheimer's Fund uh, for coming on and answering our questions and the community's questions about Alzheimer's. It's a great charity. Check them out, CureAls, CureAlz.org, uh, if you want to check out more about their mission and throw them some additional cash. 
we were thrilled to uh, support them this year. Look forward to, to doing something next year. Uh, also, I think we are going to try to maybe make this a little bit bigger next year. There will probably be calls for volunteers late in the summer um, or early in the fall to like start forming like committees to organize certain things like um, merch to donate. For example, Anna from chat uh, gave uh, donated to uh, what do you call those Mac, Mac uh, bus statues, high end fan memorabilia of star Wars characters. Sure. Um, Leia and Ahsoka. And those things we know move the needle, but it's incredibly hard for Jim and I to like coordinate all the stuff that we have to do right after Christmas, right as the year is resetting. So I think we're going to start getting some volunteers to divvy up and like coordinate things like outreach towards celebrities. Cause like, let's say next year we do a fast and the furious marathon. Wouldn't it be cool if we could get the rock to give us a shout out for it? You know, that would probably give us a lot more uh, uh, attention and potentially allow us to raise a lot more money. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if we had some people that were uh, responsible for pestering our vendors and our uh, sponsors and other people for like merch that we can do giveaways for? Wouldn't it be cool if we had people that could organize that stuff so that it would just happen beyond the scenes and I wouldn't have to like frantically come up with random number generators on the fly? I think those are some things that it doesn't need a lot of people. It wouldn't be an incredible amount of time dedicated to it. But like, yeah, if we if we have a call going out in, in August and September to to help with the next year, fifth annual. Big milestone, uh, Groundhog Day. Uh, be checking that out, and uh, hopefully some people will step forward and we'll put you to work. So that's what we did this year. Next year is the big fifth annual. Um, one of these days, one of these years, one of these years when Groundhog's Day is on a weekend again, I would love to do another Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day. Yeah, and you know, get 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 a nice picture in picture of them pulling the rat out of the stump watch bill murray 12 times in a row like i, I don't know whether that's the seventh because won't want to won't roll back to being on the weekend seven years from the original isn't that how that works or do i, I not understand calendars i have no idea um yeah. i know it eventually does but yeah so when it comes we'll have to because that that would be that'd be nice that'd be that'd be cool to do Oh, one other thing uh, before we go uh that connor mentioned that they're interested in doing is that they see this like on stream twitch uh, YouTube-based um, fundraising as a a really nice way to to raise money for the cause in the future. You know, and I've seen this grow, like the Child's Play organization. What's the other extra um, life extra life organization where like hundreds of people all over the world do these little marathons and stunts, and they raise a lot of money for different different charities. And uh, he's kind of picking our brain about how we could do that. We had a nice little conversation after this conversation about it, uh, but. I know that some of you people probably know Twitch people and other communities. Maybe, you know, there's some creators that have a personal connection to Alzheimer's um, who've maybe talked about a grandmother, grandfather, aunt or an uncle, maybe a parent suffering from it um, that do streams and maybe do charity work. And if you care to nominate some of those people, you can send it in to us uh, at host at baldmove.com, or you can send it right into uh, Connor and the Cure Alzheimer's Foundation. You can get through uh, in touch with them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Cure Alzheimer's uh, or the website curealz.org. Or again, we'll be talking to Connor going forward. So if you want to send some suggestions for people that you think would be good matches for them in terms of fundraising, um, you know, go feel free to send that in to us at hostsupbaldmove.com as well. But uh, yeah. Again, everyone that showed up and and uh, and gave us your support, uh, sent us your money, your bits, your subs, your donos. 
Really appreciate it. You made it the best year ever um, in many, in many terms is when it could have been, you know, an off year. So thank you. Uh, Connor called y'all heroes. I'm going to do it again. And I can't wait for Groundhog Day 2022. Uh, hopefully we'll see you before then. But if not, please show up for at or around Groundhog Day mm-hmm. uh, and uh, support uh, us raising money for a worthy charity. And uh, yeah, thanks again. We'll see you. See you next time.